Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. Oh, this is a landmark podcast, Mike. This is a landmark, the landmark. It's the landmark podcast. Would you say? Yeah, I would. I would say we've been doing this now for for forty one years. Right. We started in the in uh, nineteen eighty three. That's right. Podcasts. Correct. And uh, this is the culmination of everything. It's we've the been culmination because, as you remember, the first twenty five or thirty years. We didn't even know we were allowed to have guests on the podcast, right? right? Then we figured that out. Shortly Mm -hmm. after that, we figured out how to actually get them to, like, technology, you know, point of view, get them on. And and so this is the culmination. I mean, to me, the culmination before was when we drafted – when we didn't draft, when we picked our all-vegetable NBA team. I think that was – that used to be number one, but That was the highlight, yeah. That was the highlight. Today – we have Los Angeles Dodgers manager Dave Roberts with us. Dave, hi. How are you? Oh, my God, fellas. This is such – I mean, honestly, as you guys speak as a highlight, and I'm telling you, for me, uh, as a fan of you guys, and to kind of watch the banter, the conversations, and listen, and for me to be a part of this uh, – I am so thrilled because uh, we can go a lot of different directions. And just to kind of uh, share a moment in uh, one snippet of your 43 years of doing a a podcast (laughs) is pretty emotional for me. Oh, my gosh. It's so exciting. Well, Mike, Mike, why don't you you start us off here? Yeah, let's get right to it because this has been a monumental offseason for both baseball and specifically the Dodgers. And I just wanted to... I wanted to start here by asking the question I think is on everyone's mind, which is when you took your lead off of first uh, in the ninth (laughs) inning of game four of the 2004 ALCS, had Frank Kona given you the green light to go on any pitch or did you know you were going on the first pitch? So this is, and I will tell you honestly, so Tito told me to be prepared for any situation that comes about. So essentially any anyone from the seventh inning on, because we're down a run at that point in time, mm-hmm. that gets on base, yeah. I need to be ready to go in and run. And so here comes uh, Kevin Millar, has a big at bat, earns a walk from Mariano. And so we're in the ninth inning right now. And he looks at me. He gives me the wink from one end of the small Red Sox home dugout to the other end, which I'm at. And so that's my cue. So uh, as it's documented, I jog I jog onto the field. And uh, Lynn Jones, our first base coach, has his arm around me. And Dale Swain, our third base coach, gives Bill Miller the bunt sign. Right. And so it's the bunt sign. And uh, I say, hey, no, I'm going to steal this base. And so he looks in at Tito 
and then gives Tito the sign or they do some coaches thing. Tito gives it to Dale to wipe off the bunt. They wipe off the bunt sign. Bill Miller gets it. And Lynn Jones whispers in my ear, do what you do. Wow. And then, um, so at first, your question, Michael, I wasn't going to run on the first pitch because I hadn't played in like a week. So you're talking, <laughs> haven't played in a week. It's like 20 below at Fenway with the wind chill, it seemed like. And so I'm in there, but uh, Mo throws over once. And then I start to get the nerves start to dissipate. Then he throws over a second time. And that's the one that he almost picked me off. Yeah. And then at that point in time, I felt like I had just played the night before. So then I was calm. I was, my rhythm was better. And then he tried to throw over a third time. And then the third time he threw over, I was in there pretty easily. And it was almost like Top Gun Maverick locking in on a MIG <laughs> going, I've got radar lock on you right now. And then so I knew that once he delivers that ball, I'm going to get a good jump. And so I had a great lead and he held it, which felt like an eternity. I got a great jump. Jorge had a good pitch to throw on. And Brad Mills, our bench coach, said it was the best pop time he he saw all year. It was a 1-8, I think was a pop time. Wow. 1-7-9, which is amazing. And uh, Derek puts a tag. I'm safe. Joe West calls me safe. And um, which I didn't appreciate how good of a call that was until you sort of look at the footage. It's an incredible call. It's a great call. It's a great great call. call. And as I look at it, the more I watch it, it seems to get closer and closer of a tag. (laughs) And I hope in like 10, 20 years, Joe doesn't reverse the call and I'm out and it's again changed. So uh, it was a great play and we had a great team and I wish I could have uh, forecasted us winning eight straight games and the World Series. So it looked in retrospect, it was the turning point, but I was just fortunate to be a part of a great team. It's amazing. Uh, it's, and look, I think Mike, look, Mike is a big Red Sox fan. I think it, it, we, we all know that he's a huge Red Sox fan. This was the singular moment of his life. But in my view, look, we have we have Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers on here. This has been an incredible offseason. So I, I really feel like I need to ask the obvious question, which is, is it true that Maury Will said to you there would come a moment where you would <laughs> need to steal a base? Like, is that 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 is the story I've I've written it, I've heard it. I uh that is true that he said there will there will come a moment in your life where you will have to steal a base. It, it, it's it's true. It's wow. True. And um this is like something where I just love and you guys know I'm I'm a teacher by trade. And I think for me is having two kids and to talk about to pr- the preparation, yeah. uh, the expectation, and also with, with life that you don't know things are going to come uh, to pass or the opportunity, but we were on a backfield in Vero Beach, and uh, it was, and I'm looking, guys, right now at a picture of Maury Wills right now wow. in one of those little hats that he used to wear, <laughs> those uh, short brim hats. I'm looking yeah. at and I got goosebumps. And uh, so we're on the backfield, just Maury and I, and we had late work. And then I stuck around to chat it up with the Dodger. Great. And I'm trying to just soak up as much information as I can as a student. Sure. And uh, he goes in his old little raspy voice. DR, one of these days, everyone in the ballpark is is going to know that you're on base and you're going to steal a base. You can't be afraid to steal that base. Wow. And then as the old timers go, they kind of go in and I'll go back to that. But as old timers go, that goes back to them a little bit where he's like, 
when I was in, you know, playing at Yankee <laughs> Stadium or against the Giants and at Dodger Stadium, 60,000 people are saying, go, 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 go. And I fact-checked him on that, which most students do. And it is true. When he was on first base at Dodger Stadium, everyone was saying, go, wow. go, go. And so he told me that I'm going to have a moment. So then as I trot out there to Fenway Park, you know, uh, in October of 2004, I'm like, this is what Maury Wills is talking about. This is that defining moment. And I can't be afraid to be essentially looked at, if it doesn't work, as Bill Buckner, which was in my mind which I'm mm -hmm. happy that Red Sox Nation, they they kind of reconcile the relationship. Or I could be something of a, of a you know, you know, a fire starter, a, a rally yeah. starter, whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, well, your time is short and we want to cover a lot here. So uh, let's get to the to the main question at hand here, which is uh, when Miller singles up the middle now, you're leading off second. Are, is there any part of you that isn't thinking I got a score here? Or is it just you You knew you didn't even have to look at Dale Swaim. You knew you were running through third and scoring that tying run. Yeah, Michael, that's exactly right. You know, what's yeah. funny is that the fundamentals of it as a base runner is you need to make sure that the ball gets by the pitcher. And in, in this case, it was Mariano Rivera. But off the crack of the bat, I was gone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Bernie can play a saxophone, but Bernie doesn't throw well. So, <laughs> he can hit a baseball. So, I love Bernie, but once it got past uh, the infield, there was no third base coach. Um, I was my own coach. And so I wasn't going to be denied right there. And I look back and I do some crazy, like, uh, twirl some axle something some ice skating maneuver the I hop up the hop up and the fist pump at the, <laughs> the same hop time. Up, yeah. the fist pump. i don't know what the heck i was doing and uh but no i i was not going to be denied well listen i we only have uh, uh i would say 28 more questions about alcs game four <laughs> uh in 2004 uh uh but but there's a couple things about it because i've watched it conservatively 600 times yep. so the the there's two things about Mariano in that inning that are that are are wild to me. One is he when he walked Millar, the the ball four wasn't even close. Ball four was up around the eyes inside, and when Posada throws the ball back to him, he like snaps his glove angrily, which I you never saw that guy betray emotion. It was always you, you cool, also never saw him collected. walk anybody. Never I mean, walked like, anybody. Like, he yeah. never walked anybody. I I have said this before. I believe it's true. I, I think Millar. Millar, you can actually see surprise on Millar's face when he gets walked. It's like, what just happened? I don't understand. Why, how did Mariano Rivera walk me in the playoffs? And then when the ball gets past him, he kind of awkwardly kicks his leg out when he's trying to field it. There was just something off about him that inning that he was never off, ever, 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 but especially in the playoffs. Is that the kind of thing that when you're in a game like that, does the team... Do you talk about that? Does the team sense it? Do people start going like, hey, he's off this inning or like there's something wrong with him or anything like that? Or was it just a crazy fluke? So, no, no, no. I I definitely think I think to that point, I, I, I there was a situation in September at Yankee Stadium where it was a similar situation, uh, but it was the game was tied at that point and we're visitors at that point. So uh, it's a top half. So I come in to run at that point. And so they had a meeting at the mound to deter me. I ended up stealing the base. We ended up winning in extras, I think, that game. Um, so I think that with Mo, 
certainly uh, right-handers have always been better versus him than left-handers. And mm-hmm. so Millar actually had some success. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't walk, guys. So I think the leadoff walk is something you just don't do, certainly. And Mo just didn't do that. And so that kind of checked him up. And then so as I get on base, I think that it was one of those things that they really were trying to deter me. They knew it was going to happen. They didn't know when. And then for that not to work out, uh, Jorge made a great throw. And knowing I was going to run and still steal a base, I think that uh, was something. And then now the ball hit. Then he's like a a hockey goalie at that point, trying to keep the baseball in the infield. And then it was just like, you know, he gave up the lead. And then he's kind of trying to hang in there. So, um, you know, in the postseason, it's a lot of it, which I've been fortunate to be a lot part of a lot of postseasons. It is uh, it's it's um, um, uh, momentum. And, and, you know, how to keep momentum going. And fortunately for us, we kept it going. And then even, guys, after that game and David walks it off uh, off Paul Quantrill, a, a former teammate of mine, on a front door hit ball, you know, we still had to win three more games. But after yeah. game four and then after game five, you could just see the tone just change. Mm-hmm. And once you got to game six, I mean, the series was ours. And you could just sense it. All the laughing that they were doing after game three – you know, sort of went by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, there's a really interesting thing that I'm, that, you know, Mike sort of touched on. Uh, and I'm going to, I am going to ex- sort of expand our conversation just a little bit. Why? Why? Then <laughs> <laughs> it still relates because when you're on the bench, you know, now, certainly when you were a player, but now as a manager, are you looking for little things in the other team like, Oh, Mariano feels a little bit off or, you know, I mean, I like, you know, everybody knows about sort of the big strategy things. Everybody talks about, you know, bunt or not bunt and and when you pull your pitcher and all of the big strategic things. But like these little things that maybe you have had to see the guy 500 times to sort of sense like you like he doesn't trust his curveball or he doesn't, you know, I mean, is this stuff that you guys talk about on the bench during games? Absolutely. I, I think for me, though, um, I, I, to that question, I think in my chair, I'm more focused. Obviously, I'm watching the game. I'm watching both sides. I'm watching all players. But I think for me, um, I'm more watching the emotions and the actions of my own guys mm. because I can kind of affect that in real time. Um, I, can't, I can see the guy doesn't have his breaking ball. He's losing it arm side. That's something where I'll mention it. The hitting guys are on top of that. Um, you can see, you know, a certain hitter is not adjusting to one of our pitchers' pitches. Let's say he's having a bad game. But I think for me, it's seeing if, you know, hey, Mookie, slow down. Just see the baseball. Don't try to do too much. You know, Max Muncie, X, Y, or Z, Will Smith, I like what you're doing. Just keep doing it. You know, the hits are going to come. Just keep taking good at bats. You know, or if it's a pitcher like, the stuff's good. I trust your stuff. You know, just keep going after guys. They We got unlucky a couple times with some flares. Just keep going out there. I'm going to keep you out there. So it's more of that from my chair versus, hey, I'm, I'm in the corner with uh, Tyson and saying, hey, you know, Evander, just keep going to the body. You know, he, he's getting tired. You know, it's not like that. Yeah. Well, the I have to say, uh, I've had a, a really – good life a very fortunate life but i don't 
believe that I was truly happy until you stole second base in <laughs> the ninth inning of game four of the ALCS. And I want to say thank you in to, directly to your face. I want to say thank you for that. Is it true, by the way? I mean, the, the joke was immediately Dave Roberts never buys a beer in Boston again. Is Has that proven true? Have you been sent thousands of beers and bottles of champagne and whatever else? <laughs> I have. I, I have. I, I actually, I did pay for a couple meals, but as far as the alcohol, uh, as uh, <laughs> you know, the alcohol is definitely taken care of. And uh, it, it's funny though, is that, which is no surprise to you, Michael. Um, but like, you know, it's funny. We were at sushi in the back bay uh, before that series. And a gentleman comes up to me and um, he's early sixties. And um, he's like, Hey Roberts, I just want to tell you, the Red Sox got my grandfather, my great grandfather. They got my grandfather, and you guys are coming after me. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, please win a series against the Yankees. And then we go down on three. But that's like, that's how it is. So, you know, you hear stories about people after we win the World Series and their their grandfather, grandmother passes after their father, mother. And it's just like, that's just something, okay, I got a chance to see that. And yeah. then sure enough is after we got the the monkey off uh, New England's back, then they went on to go do some great things. But, you know, there was something that that 86 years that we, uh, you know, flipped the script a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a complete flip. You know, but Mike, so uh, so I wrote a book. Mike, I'm, I'm telling you this too. Hmm. Uh, I wrote a book called Why We Love Baseball, which, uh, of course, has the moment. I have Mike write the moment, write, you know, what is the greatest moment in Red Sox history. And, of course, he chose from moments – since 2003 since your since 2004 since your steal um and he makes the point and it's and he's right that your steal is the greatest moment in Red Sox history because of what followed yeah you know that like like it could have been you could have gotten stranded at second you guys could have won that game and lost game 5 you could like like so many things had to happen to turn your moment into a legendary moment and of course all of it did happen and and the but you know the moment started it all there's no question about that but it is interesting isn't it you know i mean i and i think this is something certainly that you've seen you know cuz every single year you guys are great and every year you're in the playoffs and and it starts over again and you 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 know some it works sometimes it's it's obviously not worked other times but so much has to happen right it's like it's it feels like in other sports particularly football one play really can change everything and in baseball it feels like one play better be followed by about 25 other plays in order for it to for it to work i think it's it's unbelievable um you're right. Um, I, I think that that's what's great about our game of baseball because um, it's not just one play. It's not just one game. Um, it's not always the best team. And, and, yeah. and the numbers speak to that. It's not the best team. And uh, you can't just have Tom Brady and say, you know, we're going to be in the Super Bowl or at least in the AFC Championship. It just doesn't work that way uh, in in baseball like it does in you know football or basketball and and also I think that you know baseball is such a great game in the sense of the tradition of it. Um, I think uh, we've done a lot of good things to uh, adjust it as far as catching up to real time and what fans want to keep their interest to make the game more playable, watchable. Um, I do think that you know uh, 
you know, you're talking about the postseason and the Yankees and the Dodgers back in the day. There's at that point, there were just two teams that go to the World Series. Right. And so, and it was a balanced schedule, not as many teams. So you get more opportunities, a chance to win more championships. So the road to win, to be that last team standing, it's harder. Um, and honestly, this is the first time I've said this publicly because it's always like, you know, sour milk. And, and it's not that at all. It's just, I just tried to feel like, you know, educating people on what are real expectations, you know, because you try to compare the Dodgers of right now versus the Yankees of the 90s, um, which they did have the wild card, um, you know, but teams back then, it's just a harder road to, to you know, to play a wild card game and any hot team can, can advance. And that's certainly we've seen that from our end, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I do believe that, you know, you keep winning, you keep doing it the right way, you keep uh throwing your name in that, giving yourself a chance, then uh, you're bound to win again. And, you know, so that's how I look at it. But this is well, this is a topic Mike and I talk about all the time on this thing, which is it not only do you, is it a much harder road as far as, like, you've got to win these short series, you've got to win, you know, the, anybody, we all know, anybody can be anybody in a three-game series. Literally anybody in Major League Baseball can take two out of three from anybody else in Major League Baseball. So, but we've talked about this, and, you know, we've talked about how you have the, the all-time winning percentage for any manager in baseball history, and yet, Year after year, you're going to get hammered because it comes. They're calling for my job. <laughs> They're calling for your job <laughs> every year, and and you know, look, the, there's there's good and and bad with all of it. I mean, obviously, it makes October exciting. We think it takes a lot out of the regular season, which I don't like um, at all. But and, and I'm not asking you because it's not fair to ask you to speak to the actual thing. But you can speak, I think, to that challenge of going into the postseason knowing. Hey, we're a great team. We won 100 games again. We're a great team. And now we got to start over. And probably the way you've been the last couple of years, we're beat up. We're injured. We don't have the pitching we've had all year, all of that. So, what is the mindset? Like, what kind of mindset do you take into a postseason that is obviously every year it starts all over again? It's very unique. Um, and you laid it out really well. Um, and I think that athletes are just a unique uh species of people in the sense of to be able to you know put everything you can into something um and to be obsessed about it and then get to the top of the mountain the one yard line and then to not cross the goal line or you know be the last team standing and to now be looked at as you failed and uh, it was a wasted year. And that's hard to reconcile for a lot of people that all this time you put into something and now you look back and that whole year was, was a failure or was a waste. And um, to then be able to go back there and bow your neck and do it all again without the, the certainty of success in what some people view as success. Um, so I think for me is you said it. I just the message uh, I'm going to be out there uh, in, in about a week pitchers and catchers and it's just going to be you got to come in fresh um I, I think i've done a good job guys of getting our guys to buy into the micro uh, of the moment um because certainly this year you know you get otani we trade for glass now we've got yamamoto coming we gave him over 300 million it's, um, it's going to be again it's 
World Series or bust. I'm going to hear it all spring. I've already <laughs> heard it. And that hasn't changed for me. But I do think that you're not going to win the World Series in, in February, April, March. And so you got to kind of get the micro. And I just want to get guys to come in fresh, come in motivated, and play the game the right way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you're sort of – I was at, playing at my UCLA uh, alumni game this past weekend, and I blew up both my hammies, which I said – which I'm embarrassed <laughs> even to say, but I did <laughs> – um, but my coach, um, Gary Adams said to us, and it's funny because our, my old alumni guys references, he's like, you guys, it's like guns and roses, guns and roses comes in and they play, they could not be feeling their best. And this is in the early nineties. And there might be a group, a kid that's never seen guns and roses play, you know, and they've got to put forth their best effort. And our guys, the Dodgers, my players, understand that you know there might be a guy that has never seen freddie freeman or mookie betts play and i expect he expects himself to play to a certain level of effort to give that guy that moment or girl and so i think that for us over the course of one of 162 and spring training we do things the right way so um, i think that anyone that plays against us watches us i think they can appreciate the way uh, the los angeles dodgers play baseball We'll talk about Otani in a second uh, and Yamamoto and Glasnow and all these guys. But um, there's an, another important question, which is, I believe Mookie Betts to be the greatest living American. Yes. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, <laughs> I, I, If there is some, if aliens came to Earth and said, we need one human to represent your species in an intergalactic challenge of some kind. <laughs> any would, kind, anything. Any kind. It doesn't matter what it is. I would say, well, it should be Mookie. And Joe and I have posited, without any data except our own instincts here, that Mookie Betts, among other things, is probably a great hugger. Yeah. So we my think question is, have, have you hugged Mookie Betts? I assume you have. And if so, is he as good a hugger as we imagine him to be? So um, for the record... I am a much better hugger than Mookie Betts. Whoa! Really? Whoa! That might be the only thing I am better at Mookie at. But this 1, is shocking. Yes. I, this yes. is a shocking, shocking claim. Yeah, yeah. This that might be the one thing he's not great at. Really? I echo all your sentiments, uh, Mike. But uh, as far as hugger, I have a lot of practice hugging my players and people. So. I and for the record, I initiate the hug with Mookie and I bring it in and I hold it tight and uh, much better. So wait a minute. So 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 are you, would you, are you willing to? So here's here's been our our thing that we've said. We've said that in 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 his weight class, nobody can touch Mookie, which is obviously not true because you're a better hugger than he is. Absolutely. And then we've said overall for heavyweight, nobody's a better hugger than David Ortiz. Is that yeah. true? That's true. Okay. So, All right. All right. Okay. But I will say, I will put my name in the hat, pound for pound. Uh, David's a big man. Yeah, he's uh, a big man. So pound for pound, I need to be in that conversation. Oh, this wow. is great. No, this yeah. is really good. We've, this we've, is such good information. Dave, I can't right tell you how many hours we've spent <laughs> on this podcast talking about who's a good hugger, who's not a good. We determined that Mike Trout, we don't think Mike Trout's a good hugger. Maybe not a great wrong. hugger. Yeah, not we, a great we hugger. Yeah, knew it. All right. We knew it. We could, it's we hard could... to get your arms all the way around him. <laughs> yeah, he's too broad, right? Yeah. But, so this is my question about Mookie, though. Can you coach him up a little bit? You know what I mean? Can you can you get him to where he needs to be? Well, it's just... so um, 
you know what? I, I can do that. Yes, I can. Um, so <laughs> that's what spring is, training is for, Mike. I'm yeah, that's what spring training for. Well, he's got the hitting, the fielding, and and all that other stuff down pat and bowling so, uh, and everything. And yeah, the bowling. That, see, yep. This is my. I think to be the the guy, the complete package that I want him to be. He's got to. He's got to get to the. You to want the his hug echelons. game higher. You need. His I want hug his hug game, game much higher. higher. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. This is. So, I'm. This is the most shocking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> So life, I'm going to his charity idea. bowling tournament this weekend on Saturday or Friday, um, Saturday. And so I am going to give him a huge hug. I'm going to mention <laughs> uh, this conversation. Yes, Please do. Yes. And I'm going to tell him that that's going to be the thing I need to coach him up this spring. And we need to tighten that uh, hugging up. I love that we're adding Dave Roberts to the all-time hug list. I mean, this yeah, is a great. very, this is a very big thing. By the way, Mike did not mention this, but I think it is important to mention I believe Mike is on a streak of seven or eight consecutive games where he is yeah. gone and Mookie Betts is homered. Yeah, oh at Dodger God. Stadium, at, I believe. At the stadium, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, right? I believe it. I believe it's seven in a row. And the last time I went, I was with Joe. We went, and, and he I, hit a leadoff I, home run. And he That's led right. off with a homer. He and Freddie went back to back. And I, but I had led off by saying I was like, I've seen six in a row. I've six games in a row. Mookie's homered, and. Uh, and Joe said, when is he going to do it this game? And I said, he's going to lead off with a homer. And then he did it. And uh, and like, I, I've never met the man. I love him more than I love members of my own family yeah, by, right. by, by a good amount. And I do I do feel like he is doing this for me. Like, I've, I, I really it feels personal that now I'm at seven in a row with him homering at the stadium. Well, I, 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 I definitely thinking. think that's the case. Um, <laughs> Thank you. you got that superpower of knowing who's in the ballpark sure. and right. when to show out. And so certainly when you're in the ballpark, um, he wants to show out. And He can uh, feel it, right? He can feel he that can I'm feel there. It. Yeah, he, he yeah. knows. He knows. Um, before before I, we continue, I, I've got to mention your hair, though, Mike. I am like, you know, we're talking Mookie, Joe, myself. It's like I'm very jealous of your hair. So I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your great hair. He's so, got good hair. He's just got good hair. hair. And, and you got Mookie and hair game though, so that's a good thing. But yeah. uh, it's the, maybe the only thing I have over Mookie. Yeah, unless... that's right. That's right. So <laughs> like if Mookie wanna... tried his hand at comedy writing, I bet he'd be a better comedy writer. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's but you right. might be a better hugger. This is this is the shocking news that we're finding. By the way. Freddie Freeman? What kind of hugger is Freddie Freeman? Oh, Freddie Freeman. Yeah, great there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that, you can so tell. that fits. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie, pound for pound, is right there in the conversation. All right. Great hugger. Yeah. Can you give us the yeah, top? Well give us the top five current Dodgers. Give us a go from five to one. From hugger. Give us the, the top five huggers on the current top five man hugs. roster. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go. Freddie Freeman, number one. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think um you know who I think is probably a terrible hugger and and this is this is he's an all-time great but I bet you Clayton Kershaw not a good hugger bad hugger I knew it I knew it and, and Clayton, I just Clayton, knew it not a good hugger who's that um yeah no he's not know, I I think there's certain people that are just you know on the that's what makes Mookie just different and Freddie different but there's certain athletes that are just so uber talented that they don't get the emotion part of it. You know, sure. they're just so focused on That's sort Trout's of, problem. That's got to be Trout's problem. Yeah, and, right? and, you know, and it's it's just kind of how they're wired. It, it's just really interesting um, where, 
there I, I don't I, I'm obviously butchering kind of the sentiment and the thought behind it, but there is something to that for sure. Yeah, no, I get it. Who else? Who else on the Dodgers? Who is in your top? Uh, let's five? throw let's throw some Dodgers out at him and see about like we can just so Will Smith. He's a catcher. That's got a hugging thing. Uh, not great. Will, Will, <laughs> All right. Will's not great. Yeah, I, I, I got it. So I, I like to make uh, certain guys uncomfortable, and it's the, the adage, you know, <laughs> be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so we have a lot of guys that are not huggers. Oh. And so oh. what, what do I do as a manager? I go in there and hug them. <laughs> that's right. And so that's, that's what you do. That's what you do. So oh, I'll we bet have you. a lot of good huggers, actually. Jason Hayward, good hugger. Oh, I okay. bet. I get that. I, I like that. that. that and got Max Muncy? Max Muncy? Not a great hugger. Not a really? great hugger. Good hugger, not great. Good, okay, not great. sort of sort of an average hugger. Um, I think Joe Kelly better than you would expect. Um, no, I would expect him to be good. He's yeah. got a, he's got fire. He's got passion. That guy. He's got <laughs> yeah. a. He's you know what I mean. Like so, he's, he's I, all over the place. He's like a fly that goes everywhere. But when you get him and you get him in that quick moment and you put your arms around him, good hug. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. After the Sox beat the Dodgers in 2018, apologies to bring up this memory for you, but I Accepted. stayed at the, I was at game five. I stayed at the stadium with my son and my two buddies uh, for, you know, an hour and a half watching everything. And uh, Joe Kelly walked off the field and I yelled at him uh, and, and said like, way to go, Joe. And he looked right at me and pointed at me <laughs> and it's a career highlight for me. Yeah. Joe, I, I believe that Joe has that ability like some people do to kind of be outside of things and hear things, see things, have conversations, throw behind hitters heads, and then still <laughs> lock back in, you know, to the job at hand. It's like, there was one moment where Joe's like, Hey doc, he comes in the game and he goes, Hey doc, I'm going to throw the first one uh, to the backstop, but don't worry, this is intentional. So <laughs> give him the ball go back to the dugout first one goes to the backstop and i'm like oh boy here we go <laughs> but he called his shot you know it's mm -hmm. like i love he it called the shot all right uh, how's, Mike, I'm how's gonna... vargas how's vargas is he a good hugger good hugger yeah. yeah vargas is a very good hugger you know he's from cuba and he's a young kid he's very talented and he is just full of love so um he is a very good hugger he, he's a guy that's trending really up and so <laughs> We just got to get him on the field more, and uh, he's going to be a household name. Household hugger, My, Mike. Household I'm going to Mike. I'm going to ask you this first to see because I I think this is a particularly interesting one because he does everything well. So, do you think Chris Taylor is a good hugger? Ooh, not at all. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Michael. <laughs> that's I'm it, sorry. Mike. So, already said it, no. Yeah, I would have said no. I yeah, said no. Even though he's he can too, do everything. He, yeah, but he's he's like he's he's so good. He's he's like the best utility player in baseball for 10 years, but it, he does everything dispassionately. He's just he's oh. just like he's incredibly competent. He has a lot of acumen, but I don't get like vivaciousness from him. You know what I mean? God, that is just very insightful and thank right you on point. You know, 
loyal, hardworking, disciplined. Um, but I think the thing is with Chris Taylor is because he's not emotional uh, in that sense, that it allows for him to do a lot of different things and yeah. compartmentalize his different jobs. Because I think that people, you know, we talked about Freddie. So Freddie is a very emotional guy. So to, for him to be able to bounce around, I don't think he'd be able to do that because he's so passionate about something. And he, pro he might be able to, but it is interesting, that take right there, Mike. It that, is interesting. Yeah, and a lot of our guys... Um, you know, they're passionate, they're they're great, but as far as the emotion, it's just like Clayton. We talked about Clayton. It's like he is a starter. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. To be able to use him in different roles, even if it the window, you know, different sliding door situation, I don't know if it'll play it out as such. Yeah, okay. I think Freddie also to me, uh he's so instinctual. Like he just looks like he goes up there and he's not it's like Tony Gwynn or something where it's like, I'm not reviewing 10,000 hours yeah. of video. Well, I'm Tony Gwynn did review 10,000 hours of video. Well, but, but you know what I mean? But it's the, like it's C-ball, hit-ball. You know? Right, like, right, that's right. That's what Freddie Absolutely. seems to me. Yeah, yeah. Is, that's think, true. That's true, isn't it, it uh, Dave? It, it, I mean, it, it, he is, he's a C-ball, hit-ball guy, isn't he? He is. And I, I, I've i never, and Tony Gwynn, that's a great analogy. Uh, he was a guy that I looked up to as a kid who grew up in San Diego. Sure. Um, and Freddie is just the ultimate grinder and – Baseball is hard because you play every day and it's a game of failure. Um, but to have somebody that is so committed to his uh, approach, his swing, and he doesn't let anyone chase him out of that. Yeah. And so that's something for me. Um, he is for me. Uh, I've never seen a player play every pitch like Freddie Freeman. Uh, he is number one on my Mount Rushmore. Um, Todd Helton just inducted to the Hall of Fame was mm -hmm. a guy that I played against that had that kind of passion and commitment in the batter's box. But Freddie is a unicorn. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Incredible. I, have two more, I have two more hugging questions. Yep. Uh, number one, this is a, this is a, uh, I don't know how I would, uh, I would guess about this. How was Justin Turner as a hugger? Great hugger. Yeah, I bet yeah. great. I would guess great hugger. Great hugger. Yep. Yep. Um, um, yeah. So it's funny is there was a shot of uh, us, after a postseason game, Justin comes in my office, uh, and then we hug it out, <laughs> and I'm literally caressing the back of his head. And somebody, I think it was John Sue, our team photographer, got that shot and sent it to our wives. And to this day, they use that as a meme to, la to laugh on, like, tender moments. And so uh, JT is one of my all-time uh, favorite oh. people. Yeah, and um, I I love them and top top one top or two tier. Three top yeah. one percent top hugger. hugger very good and then 100%. last hugging question for me uh, is it true to say that the two thousand four Red Sox collectively were a better hugging team than your recent Dodger teams? Oh God, that goes without saying. That <laughs> two thousand four Red Sox team. Here's the thing: um, Kevin Millar should be in the conversation. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing is, though, is that it's funny because we had so many crazy knucklehead guys and self-proclaimed <laughs> idiots. And if we don't win, it's just not cute anymore. Right. 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 So <laughs> I think that we gave the Red Sox, the, you know, later Red Sox teams, the, the, the freedom to be idiots and crazy and fun loving. And it proved to be beneficial to win. But 
you know, you can do all the antics and, and do the stuff that we did before games that certainly uh, we can talk about on another show. Um, <laughs> it's cute when you win, but if you don't, yeah. especially <laughs> in New England, it ain't cute. Not cute no, anymore. Uh, it's so, no. but yeah, great all-time hugging team for sure. Okay, yeah. I got one more question for you, and then we're going to ask a favor of you because uh, we have a charity going, so we're going to we're going to talk to you about that in just a minute. But before we do that, because I literally hear, I hear our listeners. We don't have many, but the ones we do have, <laughs> I hear them. They are screaming that we have gone forty five minutes and not even talked about Shohei Otani. We haven't mentioned Shohei Otani. <laughs> That's a record. They're, they're not happy with us. No, right now. we. I I did think about just doing it where we never mentioned him and like the, the yeah. Oh, like yeah. This would be the only interview you've ever done without talking about Shohei. <laughs> oh yeah. But he's so awesome. He's so cool. We've talked about him so many times on the show. Um, how do you manage a guy like that? I mean, he's so. Oh, he's just everything. We love him so much. He He's everything. And um, first and foremost, you know, he showed me something in Colorado. I think we we're in Colorado or Cleveland where uh, he took part. He was a starting pitcher and he took part in the home run derby. And that showed me something as a visiting manager um, that he got it. And he got it in the sense of it's bigger than him. It was his mm -hmm. responsibility to show up for the fans of baseball uh, around the world. And so that said something to me. And then, so this guy is a once in a lifetime player yeah, and uh, a once in a lifetime human. And no one can appreciate uh, what, you know, the expectations that are put on him, how pulled he is from a lot of different directions and, you know, what he's got to do, uh, the responsibility that he has. Um, so for me, um, watching him play the right way, um, getting to know him more is going to be one of the top things for me to understand him and what makes him tick. But you don't get many people that come into negotiations and go to an organization and say, hey, we got the number. Now, let me, would you mind if we deferred 97% of my salary so can we? so we can surround myself and make this ball club and allocate funds and resources to win not only next year, but as far as we can see out. So again, that just speaks to the character of the person. And so he's not going to pitch this year coming off Tommy John, but he's going to be DHing. I haven't decided where he's going to hit one, two or three. Um, Mookie, it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad position you're in. <laughs> it is not a bad, there's no downside, Joe. So me, Mookie, Freddie, and Shohei are going to get in the room. We're going to talk about it. Um, but I think for me, it's more of just kind of, you know, I want him to get assimilated with his teammates and I'm just going to kind of sit back and, and kind of, you know, pick my spots. But the most important thing is for him to feel comfortable around his teammates. Yeah. It's pretty wild to lay that out and say, I'm not sure which of the three MVPs I'm going to hit in which order at the yeah, top. Yeah, which of my which of these Hall of Famers I'm going to hit yeah. first, second, and third? Yeah, it's, that's right. It's, it's just wild, man. It, you're talking about you're talking about three of the best hitters, not just in the game today, but in the last what twenty five years, oh, thirty yeah, years? Yeah. Like you're talking about all time I mean, great. Those three guys can play certainly, obviously, in in, in any era, and they would be the one percent of any era, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, incredible, incredible. So, so Dave, here's what we're doing on this podcast. We we donate everything we make off this podcast to charity. Uh, we've actually we started with a place that I know is very close to your heart, close to our heart, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. That was where our first, and we've uh, we've done other things. So right now we are we are what we're doing is we are opening old baseball cards, actually old sports cards, but mostly old baseball cards, and. Uh, we are asking people, we're giving them away. We're, we're, we're having a, a raffle for people to give away. All they've got to do is, is uh, donate. We're saying we're asking for at least $25 if they can afford it, whatever it is to project main street, which you know, is Boog Shambi's uh, ALS uh, foundation. So if you go to project main street, project main ST.org uh, and donate $25 or whatever you can afford. Um, and then send us a, an email with the with the receipt uh over at podcastraffle at gmail.com and we're gonna give away we're giving away bunches and bunches of stuff. So what we'd like to do is I think Mike and I would like to open up a pack with you and and uh, talk about whatever from your era. We have. Yeah I we're gonna, gonna we're gonna open up packs oh, this from your era as well. Yeah. He's got a two thousand one traded, right? Is that the one you're gonna do? Two thousand one tops two thousand one tops cards. Tops okay. cards and I'm gonna open up uh, some Don Russ cards. Let's do yeah. it. And All we'll right, just Mike. go through it, see if you have any thoughts about the guys that we find. All right, here okay. we go. We'll start with, oh, here's Mark Grace. Here we go. Mark Grace. So, oh. um, <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of stories about Mark Grace. But I will say, I got a good story for Mark about Mark Grace. Um, good buddy of mine, uh, David Ross, former manager of the Chicago mm -hmm. Cubs, my sure. former teammate, his first major league home run was off Mark Grace. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Really? Yeah. And I think at that point in time, it was called the Bob. So we're blowing out the Diamondbacks. Gracie comes in a pitch. David Ross goes deep way back into left field. So, yeah. So Rossi's hitting homers in the World Series, but it yeah. started with his home run versus Mark Grace. Ross's final at bat as a player homer. was that home run in the World Series, right? Yeah. Homer. That's, that's right. incredible. Incredible. Amazing. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit older school. I'm gonna go '89. So this is gonna be more when you were sort of junior in high school. Junior in high school. So this is when you're starting to go here. But of course, you will definitely remember Terry Pendleton. I would imagine <laughs> the captain. The captain. So when I was younger, obviously I said that hat right there. He was uh, the double flap. He was a third baseman yeah. for yeah. the Cardinals. Switch hitter, obviously. Then he went to the Braves. And uh, he ended up being uh, a coach uh, for the Braves. And uh, I always admired TP the way he went about it because there was a bunch of superstars, obviously, with the Cardinals and then with the Braves. But that dude was the, was the captain. And, I love uh, that guy. Pitch hitter, bat to ball. And, um, you know, not Tony Gwynn, but he he could he could hit and clutch. Won an MVP. I mean, an MVP. An MVP. And, yeah. But, but here's a go. question for you about uh, Terry Pendleton. And you can tell me if this is true. So Terry Pendleton comes to the Royals at the end of his career. This is when I was in Kansas City. And a wonderful guy. Spent some time with him. Wonderful guy. I was doing a story on him. And I said, because he's, he's a veteran. He's a former MVP. I'm like, can you work with these young guys? Like, will you come in? And can you, you know, help them and develop them and make them pros? And he goes, you know what? You can't lead when you're hitting 200. That's what he said. He was hitting 200 at the time. Is that yeah. true? 
Is that true? You know what? I, I think that was a little humility. Oh, um, sure. At of that course. point in time, uh, all you have to do is look at his baseball card. <laughs> and everyone in that clubhouse uh, knew his baseball card. So believe me, he was leading. Absolutely. Oh, I know, I know he was. Absolutely. Yeah, but that just shows the humility of TP for sure. Hi, Mike. I love this game. We got Matt, <laughs> Matt Clement. Oh. So Matt Clement. So um, funky throw, um, big velocity, was an original Padre, I think, uh, made his debut. I played against him uh, in double A. I was with Jacksonville, the Suns. He was with the Mobile Bay Bears. And uh, I have a grand slam. Whoa. Versus Matt Clement. Whoa. Not that's fantastic. I have an inside the park home run. Oh, that's, so, that's even better. That's even, even better. better. <laughs> Dodger Stadium, 2002, oh, three or four, Father's Day, day game. Uh, I hit a ball down the slash a ball down the left field line. Moises Alou goes for the ball at Dodger Stadium, goes by him. I round the bases. Matt Clement was on the mound. Dave Roberts inside the park, standing home run. Matt Clement. Dave, can we have you do this with us every week? I mean, this is the greatest thing. I'm just ever. realizing now what a huge mistake we've made. We should have been doing this for the from last. From the hour. beginning, we literally should have been doing this from the beginning. You probably faced Chuck Finley. He was in the league for 500 years, right? So, did you ever get up against Chuck Finley? Even though this is an so 89 Chuck card. Finley, um, Orange County guy. Uh, Finns um, played with him, was a teammate of mine. Oh, wow. Uh, in Cleveland. Uh, you're not going to find a, a better looking, more strapping <laughs> lad. Yeah. Um, I did take a couple at bats against him. I probably didn't get any hits. Um, he throws left handed. Um, so I probably got pinch hit for. But um, <laughs> he was a great teammate. And I th still think he lives uh, in Orange County. But uh, Finns. Uh, took care of me when I was uh, with the Indians in 1999. Wow, 200. I, I remember. I remember looking at baseball cards of Chuck Finley and being like, "That dude is handsome." Man. He's a handsome guy. That is a handsome gentleman. Yeah, he uh, was there with like Mark Langston, Kirk McCaskill. Those three were the three-headed monster of good-looking men with the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got Yamamoto coming. You've got Otani joining the rotation in a year plus. Uh, it's all partially because of this guy, Hideo oh, Nomo. Oh, yes. So, Hideo Nomo, former teammate of mine. Uh, I love Hideo. And uh, so, good story. I don't know if he's going to love this one, but uh, we're going <laughs> on a, a – it's a West Coast, East Coast trip with a day off. So, we end up um, day game, Dodger Stadium. Uh, so, we leave that – so, we have the night, and then we leave that morning with an off day or something like that. So – he goes with our trainer, Stan Johnson, goes, hey, or Stan might have initiated. I'm sure Stan initiated this, the cowboy. He said, hey, Hideo, I'm going to go beer for beer with you from the time we take off to the <laughs> moment we land. And let's see who drinks the most beers. So Hideo wasn't going to pitch that series in. Apparently not. Right. So they start drinking. Stan goes through about 18 beers. <laughs> it's impressive. It's impressive. I kid you not. Hideo was north of 30. Wow. <laughs> it was incredible. So 
they're at the back of the plane sitting next to each other. And it's just like, we got Kevin Brown, Andy Ashby, Sean Green, Adrian Beltre. We got a good Paul LaDuca. We got a great Paul Quantrill. And those guys can all attest to this story. So uh, Stan did a great job, like, you know, knocked down 18 beers. But Hideo was north of 30. And I say north of 30 beers. <laughs> so Who he got... He- he got to 19. He had already won. And then he was just like, watch this. I'm going to run up. The it's like the home run you. derby. Yeah. You're just yeah, this, guy could drink. this guy could drink. So um, there's um, I, I just haven't seen anyone that can drink beer um, like Cadeo. No, could, could he wow. take out Wade Boggs? I mean, of course, Wade was, That's the, the, question. was the famous Wade Boggs. No, those two are like the, the yeah, that would be that would have been a great little one on one. But the next day. You know, Hideo's in the weight room, and he did this great thing that he was on this ball. You know the, the physio ball that's like the half dome-shaped thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would stand on that thing all the time and do that hurricane move. So that was like something that I even talked to our guys today about, about like holding their backside. But Hideo would get on that thing with one leg, go in his motion, stand up, lift up his left leg, turn, hold it, and then go through his pitching wow. motion. So. Um, yeah, his his motion was so awesome. I mean, he just it was such an awesome motion. I mean, a no hitter at Coors Field, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. All right, Hall of Famer Robin Yount. So, Robin Yount, gosh, Hall of Famer. Um, obviously never saw him play, uh, admired what he did, all star at multiple positions. And uh, my last interaction with Robin Yount, it was in a Houston's last off or last uh, spring training and i bought him dinner wow really so you know as it goes you know when you see somebody uh, of stature of status like a robin yount you buy him a drink you buy him sure so i was at houston's with a friend he was with a friend at the bar having a drink and i just went over there and said hey i'm dave roberts i just want to introduce myself i'm a huge fan and uh i just like to buy you dinner and so that was it. We chatted baseball for a minute, but uh, what a classy guy and uh, just old school grinder. Ted Simmons, Robin Yao, you know, all those guys. I want to say the, the last time I was at a, a Dodger playoff game, which I think was last year, he was there you know, just sitting sitting behind uh, on the first baseline. Watching really? Robin Yao yeah. just hanging out? Yeah. Where does he just live now? Out. Yeah, I think he's in Arizona because he might have been there to watch the Brewers, but I think he was in Arizona. It seems like he knew uh, the people there, the server. So he was a regular, um, huh. but he's just one of those guys. He's a baseball lifer, just loves talking baseball. So and as you guys can tell, we start talking baseball. Uh, us, we can do this forever. Yeah. All right. Let's All do right. a couple more. The big cat, Andres Galarraga. Oh, man, oh. the big cat. Um, what a gentle giant. So he is as, as big as he is. I put my hands on him and, I wasn't hugging him at that time. I didn't have the status <laughs> to even initiate a hug. But his quads, like I knocked right there, oh. his quads and his body were just so put together. And I remember that ball that he hit uh, in uh, Giant Stadium, uh, the new Giant Stadium. It was SBC, I think, at that time. He hit it past that glove in left field. And so I think he had great teeth before great teeth was a thing <laughs> so that smile look uh, you can see it on the card no you can see the I'm teeth from here guys, yeah. like he paid for teeth before anyone paid for teeth. <laughs> so um this guy had huge raw power gentle giant could hit 
could drive in a run, and again, had great teeth. All right. I switched packs so I could get 99 because I wanted to get 99. And I'm so happy I did because to me, just being able to pull this card and have you give me as many stories as you want about Johnny Damon. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not, is this is this G, P, G, or R? <laughs> um, I'll tell you. First, you know, what a sweetheart of a guy, man. Johnny. Yeah. So Johnny was one of the guys that when I got traded over to the Red Sox, um, he really took me under his wing, uh, invited me to his house in Orlando um, on off days, uh, went out together in Toronto with his wife, Michelle. Um, he can play. He's just he's one of those guys that just had the ability to hit a baseball, but he was meant to be a, a, a in a rock band. Yeah, um, yeah. He was the guy that where Manny, um, David, uh, Bill Miller, whoever, Trot Nixon, hour before the game, they're in the cage, they're getting locked in, watching video. Johnny is sitting there nude, hanging out, and I will tell you this, as a person who's, who's shared a locker right next to him, he was a leadoff hitter. There were many times that five minutes before the game, he didn't even have his jock strap on. <laughs> he would lace them up, get going, take a couple swipes in the on-deck circle, see the first pitch of the game, and throw out a knock. I'm telling you guys, I've never seen anything like this. And uh, what a what a good teammate. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, Mike, two more, I think. we got time for two more. Will you do one and I'll do one? All right. Uh, in fact, I'll do to... mine first, and then you can, you can close out the show. Hold on a few good ones here, but what about – New Hall of Famer Scott Rowland. Oh man, Scott Rowland. Oh, um, I would say he's not a good hugger. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, you, I didn't predict a good and hugger. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I I am very fortunate that I got a chance to compete against Scott Rowland. Um, you know, might have said a dozen words uh, to him, but the way this guy could defend, um, he was Chase Utley before Chase Utley in the mm. sense of for the modern day, in the sense of. Um, the way you go about the game. Um, you're not trying to be best friends with everybody. Uh, there's a stoicism. There's a grinder, a tough play of the game, the hard 90. Um, and so, you know, the way that Scott played, it carried over in, you know, Philadelphia, St. Louis, the way he played the game. And even people that played against him, uh, there was a demeanor and a way about him that I've always admired. And Hall of Famer for me, love the guy. Oh, he's great. By the way, Mike and I, I think we would agree, Chase Utley, worst hugger. Worst hugger, don't you think? I mean, just... Yeah, yeah, Chase, Chase. <laughs> yeah, but but again, but it speaks to these guys. It speaks to, absolutely. I, I, there's yeah. something about it. They just don't have that emotional attachment. And so, you know, I can go 0 for 10 and I'm looking for a hug and <laughs> I'm... Or I'm eight for 10 and I'm overjoyous. And next thing you know, I'm over 10 and I'm a 270 lifetime hitter, 266. Or these guys are just kind of stoic, yeah. non emotional, and they stay in their 300 career hitters and they're on the way to Cooperstown, right? Yeah. I'll bet you, yeah. I'll bet you from that double play combination, Chase Utley, terrible hugger. I'm predicting Jimmy Rollins, good. Rollins, hugger. good hugger. Good hugger. Rollins, good hugger. J <laughs> Roll, good hugger. But I, yeah, I, I just that this is a good. This could be a good little case study because J. Roll was an MVP, yeah, of a ball player. But he was so, he was sort of the you know 
the quarterback, middle of the diamond. Right. You know, you got to kind of go to the mound and, and pump up your pitcher and, you know, talk to the outfielder and let them know that it's dusk and you got to talk because you can't pick up the ball in twilight. Um, the motivator, the, the top of the order guy. So I don't know. There, there is going to be a good little case study. <laughs> we have also posited that uh, uh, that Lindor is a good hugger. I don't know. If you oh, he's got to be. Tonight. But again, I think he he's under that um, Jimmy Rollins umbrella. Great yeah. hugger. Yeah. And so yeah. um, it's it's interesting that he's a big hugger, um, bringing guys together. And you know, what was fun for me to watch was his relationship with Buck. Um, yeah. You know, new school, the hair, the shoes. <clears throat> and Buck, old school Buck, and just how that kind of relationship uh, formed. I was really uh, fun for me to watch from afar. All right. To close it out, it seems appropriate. Uh, member of the 2004 uh, New York Yankees, <laughs> Ruben Sierra. Ooh, oh, Ruben man. Sierra. Yeah. Ruben Sierra. Um, switch hitter, Ranger, uh, world champion, I think. So I would say good hugger and very yeah. physical. Um, I don't know if was it was it El Caballo was this because El Caballo I know was um what was his nickname? He um, was a good player, Ruben Sierra. My God, yeah. So Ruben Sierra, heck of a ball player, great body. I mean, yeah, El Caballo. Was, that's he, right. It was El Caballo, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, had a huge bat, carried a huge bat. I mean, it might have been like thirty five ounces, and I mean, I think he played till probably uh on the record maybe thirty six, but. Off the record, he's probably 45. <laughs> yeah, he played this, a 40, a, so he must have been at least 45. Oh, he was when... 45 for sure. His baseball reference page lists him at 6'1", 175, which is about <laughs> 70 pounds shy of where he actually played. That was when he was drafted at 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's so great. Dave, for, there are two things I want to say. First of all, this has been the greatest podcast ever, of course. It goes without saying. It's been amazing. And the second thing is, here's how much we love you. We've been staring at the back of a Derek Jeter jersey that is standing behind you this entire time. And Mike and I, but particularly Mike, has not lost his mind even one time over it. Yeah. Yeah. That speaks volumes because <laughs> I think like Mike, I hate the Yankees too, believe me. So Red Sox Nation, all you Dodger fans, don't hate on me. Don't give me this email stuff because I hate him. I love this guy though. He does it the right way. So that speaks volumes that you guys could lock in on this conversation and not this number two. I know. I, I want to I want to explain to you how big a deal it is that I haven't brought this up because when my son turned six uh, I have a, a neighbor who's a big Yankee fan. And as a joke, my son was just getting into baseball. And as a joke uh, for his birthday, for my son's birthday, my neighbor bought him a copy of Derek Jeter's autobiography. <laughs> my son opened it and I saw what it was and flew into a blind rage. <laughs> my eyes went dark and my uh, my blood pressure spiked. And I, uh, my son like didn't know what it was and just put it down. And I pointed to my neighbor, who's a good friend of mine, and I said, come with me. And I took it outside with him, <laughs> walked to my garbage can, opened the garbage can, and threw it in the garbage in front of him. <laughs> yeah, right in front. By the way, and, and there's another thing with Mike that's that's great. So Mike's father-in-law, pretty famously, big yes. Yankee fan, Yeah, Mike had to battle for the soul of his son and yeah. children. I mean, his daughter, too. He had to battle for their soul 
and won the battle, which and won the battle. And won the battle. It was not easy because didn't didn't uh, didn't Regis take uh, your son to a Yankee game? When I'll, really I'll, I'll quickly I'll quickly tell you this story. <laughs> so Dave. great. So, uh, so I I was like I gotta take uh, I gotta take my son was getting into baseball. He was six or seven, and uh, my wife said you should take him to a game. And uh, and I said I I have to his first game has to be at Fenway because that you imprint on the stadium of that course, you see absolutely. when you're a kid yeah and and so I was like I gotta wait I gotta wait I gotta wait and she was like this is insane there's a stadium five miles from our house <laughs> like it could just take him to a game and and I, I I do really love the Dodgers I've always been a Dodger fan partly because they also hated the Yankees partly because of Jackie partly because of just their history so I was like okay fine it's not the worst thing in the world so I take him to a Dodgers game he becomes a Dodger fan. And I was like, all right, I saw this coming, but I can live with it, but I saw it coming. That summer, I think, okay, I'm gonna get him to Fenway. So we I plan this whole thing. I buy go to StubHub, I get I get front row seats behind the Red Sox dugout. And I'm like, and, and I I take him, we we go to the game. I take we get there early. I take him into the Yawkey Way, formerly Yawkey Way uh, uh, gift shop, and I say to him, You can buy anything you want. This is, this is a shopping spree. You can get every, you, there's no limit on what you can buy. We buy hundreds of dollars of stuff, t-shirts and, and foam number one fingers and jerseys and everything, like just load up, just bags and bags and bags of stuff. It was the greatest day of his life. Yes. We go to the game, the Sox are playing the Mariners and Felix is pitching. And I think this, and it's, and it's 115 degrees in August. And I think this is terrible. They're going to get shut out and he's going to become a Mariner. The Mariners are going to become his AL team. <laughs> Instead, Red Sox score 24 runs. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. hits two homers and three doubles. They 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 won, I think, 24 to 8 or 26 to 8 or something insane. Greatest, greatest moment of my life. We go back, by the way, after Jackie does that, we go back to the to the gift shop and I get him a Jackie. <laughs> get more Jackie's of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going then to meet my wife and her father uh in New York, and her father, Regis Philbin. Uh, says, uh, oh, if if William, my son, likes baseball so much, we should go to a game at the stadium. And so I think, I don't want to do this, but <laughs> I can't deny my son the chance to go to a game at Yankee Stadium with, with his, his grandfather. With yeah, his grandfather. Right? So Regis literally calls the Steinbrenners, and they set us up with the seats right behind the Yankee dugout. Of course. <laughs> In the fourth inning, CC's pitching, he and uh, Mauer's up, CC strikes out Maurer, and they're coming off the field. And uh, who was their catcher? Uh, oh, it's good. Name is slipping my mind. Um, you know uh, the the uh, the, the real, point. yeah. Oh, shit. I can't. I can't remember. It's, remember. The, it's the the red ass guy who who's always uh, who was angry at guys who Russell Martin playing the right way. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't Martin. Wasn't Russell was, Martin. Um, from the he played on the Braves. Come on, we got to remember the three of us got to remember this. Okay, so it's it's not James McCann. No. Or Brian McCann. No, it's Brian McCann. It's Brian McCann. Okay, yeah. Brian McCann. Brian oh, McCann. Brian McCann. Okay. So CC strikes out Mauer. McCann comes off the field, sees a cute seven-year-old kid <laughs> behind the dugout, tosses him the ball. That's pretty cool. And my dirty son pool. catches it, catches it on the fly. Oh, Sandy Tabathia. Yeah. yeah. And so now you're Hall going. Famer, over. Strikes out another Hall of Famer, and the big hand tossed in the ball. And I literally was like, "If the, if this makes my son a Yankee fan, I have failed as a father." <laughs> and I luckily I I managed to avoid it. My son's a Red Sox fan and a Dodger fan. It all turned out okay. But that was one of the scariest. Oh, that's got to be. Scary. Okay, does he still have that CC baseball? He does. He does. Okay. 
He That's has the ball. Ball. He also has a ball that Altuve uh, tossed him game one of that playoff series or the World Series against the Dodgers. We were at the stadium. Altuve tossed him a ball. He caught that ball too. Uh, and that, you, so you got to get that that ball signed by CC and Maurer like that. Uh, like like that that's, would be yeah. amazing. That's, that, that's amazing. Happen. And when you guys come to Dodger Stadium this summer, I'm going to toss William a baseball. Also. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yes. yes. We're going to go with the trifecta. <laughs> we got to erase. We we get basically got to erase the Yankee event from history. You know, Dave we got to toss that kid so many balls. Dave that's will toss story. him a ball, and you will turn to your son and say. The best hugger in baseball just gave you that baseball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dave, this has been the greatest. We cannot thank you enough. We hope you'll come back. Anything to add, Mike? No, this, uh, this is a dream come true for me to be able to tell you in person how much that steel meant to me. So thank you, and thank you for joining us. And uh, everyone, go to uh, projectmainstreet.org, donate some money, send us an email at podcastraffle at gmail. And uh, and you'll be entered in a raffle to win any of the cards, if you want, that Dave Roberts just explained <laughs> to you here on the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be great. Dave, thank you so much. Oh, Joe, Mike, <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed the time. And uh, let's do it again sometime in the middle of the season. So we'll kind of uh, revisit some things and see where we're at. Uh, yeah, we'll 20- come out to you. We'll come out to L.A. We'll come out to, to a Dodger game and then, and, and, uh, you know, we'll 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 podcast some, and at also, some point there. Yeah. Also, just, uh, you know, good luck filling out that lineup card. I don't know. <laughs> I know. It, it could be I tough. Know. Hey, these are high class problems, guys. I'm not going <laughs> to complain. All right. So great. Mike, Thanks, greatest Dave. ever, as always. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.